0: Stories of Communism 27, the First Massachusetts Commune. Welcome to Stories of Communism, the podcast where we review and discuss the first-hand testimony of those who lived through the horrors of communism. This is Eric Seligman, your co-host, along with Manuel Castaneda, recording from the suburbs of Portland, Oregon. Today we're taking another historical dive into the pre-Marx days. We'll be discussing the Puritans who arrived at Plymouth in 1620. An often overlooked aspect of this early American colony was the fact that initially they formed a government that had much in common with modern ideas of communism. I'd heard this story secondhand a few times, but recently discovered that the original journal of William Bradford, one of Plymouth's early governors, is freely available online at gutenberg.org. I took a look and was surprised how modern some of it sounded. There are some parts that, aside from the slightly archaic language, would not be out of place in a Cuban propaganda film, or a Bernie Sanders campaign brochure. The initial agreement that the colonists made was to hold all property in common and all work for the common good. Perhaps realizing this was an experiment in a new form of government, they initially set the agreement to run for a term of seven years. Here are some of the highlights. All profits and benefits that are got by trade, traffic, trucking, working, fishing, or any other means of any person or persons, remain still in the common stock, that all such persons as are of this colony are to have their meat, drink, apparel, and all provisions out of the common stock and goods of the said colony. There was a lot of grumbling by some of the party about these conditions. In particular, some were investing more than others into the venture, and didn't think it was quite fair that everyone should be in this state of forced labor and equal possessions for the first seven years. But one of their leaders, Robert Cushmans, explained the reasoning. Consider whereabout we are, not giving alms, but furnishing a storehouse. No one shall be poorer than another for seven years, and if any be rich, none can be poor. At the least we must not in such business cry, poor, poor, mercy, mercy. This will hinder the building of good and fair houses, contrary to the advice of politics. So we would have it. Our purpose is to build for the present such houses as, if need be, we may with little grief set afire and run away by the light. Our riches shall not be in pomp, but in strength. If God send us riches, we will employ them to provide more men, ships, munition, etc. You may see it among the best politics that a commonwealth is readier to ebb than flow when once fine houses and gay clothes come up. I say he that is not content his neighbor shall have as good a house, fair means, etc. as himself, is not of a good quality. Such retired persons, as have any only to themselves, are fitter to live alone than in any society, either civil or religious. Our friends with us that adventure mind not their own profit as did the old adventurers. Then they are better than we, who for a little matter of profit are ready to draw back, and it is more apparent, brethren, look to it, that make profit your main end. Repent of this, else go not, lest you be like Jonas to Tarsus. Sounds great, doesn't it? Unfortunately, in reality, the colonists' first couple of years at Massachusetts were very difficult. Somehow they never planted or gathered enough food, and the colony was soon on the verge of starvation. Desperate colonists traded everything they had to the local Indians, and were reduced to begging or stealing from them when they ran out of possessions to trade. It may be thought strange that these people should fall to these extremities in so short a time, being left competently provided when the ship left them, and had an addition of corn that was got by trade, besides much they got of the Indians where they lived, by one means another. It must needs be their great disorder, for they spent excessively whilst they had or could get it, and it may be wasted part away among the Indians. And after they began to come into wants, many sold away their clothes and bed coverings, Others, so base were they, became servants to the Indians and would cut them wood and fetch them water for a catful of corn. Others fell to plain stealing both night and day from the Indians, of which they grievously complained. In the end, they came to that misery that some starved and died with cold and hunger. One, in gathering shellfish, was so weak as he stuck fast in the mud and was found dead in the place. At last, most of them left their dwellings and scattered up and down in the woods and by the watersides, Where they could find ground nuts and clams. The starving colonists realized that something fundamental had gone wrong and got together to try to figure out some kind of radical solution to their problems. Listen to the solution they came up with. All this while no supply was heard of neither knew they when they might expect any. So they began to think how they might raise as much corn as they could and obtain a better crop than they had done that they might not still thus languish in misery. At length, after much debate of things, the governor, with the advice of the chiefest among them, gave way that they should set corn every man for his own particular, in that regard trust to themselves, and so assign to every family a parcel of land, according to the proportion of their number for that end. This had very good success, for it made all hands very industrious, so as much more corn was planted than other ways would have done by any means the governor or any other could use, and saved him a great deal of trouble, and gave far better content. The women now went willingly into the field and took their little ones with them to set corn, which before would allege weakness and inability, whom to have compelled would once have been thought great tyranny and oppression. What I find most important here is Bradford's insightful reflection on these events. He talks about the fact that the dream of communal living and equality of property had appealed to humanity since ancient times, but it fundamentally ignores realities of human nature. You could easily imagine some of these passages being written today in response to modern socialists and communists. The experience that was had in this common course and condition, tried sundry years, and that amongst godly and sober men, may well evince the vanity of that conceit of Plato's and other ancients, applauded by some of later times, that the taking away of property and bringing in community into a commonwealth would make them happy and flourishing, as if they were wiser than God. For this community, so far as it was, was found to breed much confusion and discontent, and retard much employment that would have been to their benefit and comfort. For the young men that were most able and fit for labor and service did repine that they should spend their time and strength to work for other men's wives and children without any recompense. The strong, or man of parts, had no more in division of victuals and clothes than he that was weak and not able to do a quarter the other could. This was thought injustice. The aged and graver man to be ranked and equalized in labors and biddles, cloths, etc., with the meaner and younger sort, though it summoned dignity and respect unto them. And for men's wives to be commanded to do service for other men, as dressing their meat, washing their clothes, etc., they deemed it a kind of slavery, neither could many husbands well brook it. Let none object that this is men's corruption and nothing to the course itself. I answer, seeing all men have this corruption in them, God in his wisdom sought another course fitter for them. In some sense, this is an old story, as you may have heard conservative authors allude to it periodically on Thanksgiving or at similar times. But as I mentioned, Bradford's original memoir is surprisingly relevant to a lot of today's discussion of capitalism versus communism and socialism. I think it's especially important to share his recognition that the idea of eliminating private property and living in a communal paradise of sharing and equality is a universal human impulse that's been around for thousands of years. It didn't originate with Marx, though he gave it its modern form and language. Some of the key concepts were shared with Plato's Republic, written in ancient Greece. And Plato is probably not the first to speculate along these lines. The philosophy comes from a place of caring and empathy, and many other fundamentally admirable and moral motives. But as we've seen in the many episodes of this podcast, the societies that have tried to turn this ideal into a reality have created conflict, violence, slavery, and starvation. A logical conclusion is that the idea of private property is somehow built into human nature. If you're religious like Bradford, you might even share his view that it's somehow ordained by God. So Manuel, what do you think of today's story?
1: Immediately I I was intrigued because of the uh, the fact that you know it's something we were familiar with. Um, I wanted to learn more about this this, this whole uh, history of how that was developed. And I had heard before a little bit about the uh, pilgrims starting with an idea of uh, a commune. And that they were almost starving to death for a while. So this this is really good because it, it gives you real good, solid notes on it, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was surprised to look in there and just see, like, how sort of modern the language started, right? I mean, in terms of... Uh, You know, talking about the ideal of a commune and how not wanting people to be greedy and stuff. I mean, it did sound like the kind of thing to hear modern socialists say.
1: Yes, exactly. And surprisingly, I was able to understand and read most of their notes. You know, some of the
0: spelling is not the same, but you can make it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the language is a bit archaic, but, you know, that's what you expect Mm -hmm. from something that old. But, yeah, it's definitely Mm -hmm. within the range of accessibility to modern readers. And I think it's really a Mm -hmm. shame that they don't teach this part of history typically in schools. Absolutely. This is incredible. Uh,
1: It must be something in our DNA that we, we want to believe or we want to work and live in a social community, but when you try to make it work so that everybody gets equal results, even when there is not
0: equal effort, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is something just kind of fundamental to human nature. Yeah, and, and what really surprised me was that, you know, even when Bradford wrote about it in the 1600s, even then he was talking about it as an old debunked idea, right? Like he was talking about how thousands of years earlier, Plato had talked about this kind of government um, where people didn't worry about private property and stuff like that. And so this is an idea that, you know, not only did not originate with Marx, it had been around since at least the ancient Greeks. And, um, you know, people have, you know, experimented with it again and again throughout history and still hasn't gotten great results. Absolutely.
1: But this, this experiment is something that was tried here in the U.S. And it was... Tried in a manner that you can't really blame all these other uh, international forces uh, <laughs> that didn't allow it to work, you know, or or industrialist barons or banks. It was totally tried in a in an environment where it could have been extremely successful, or or it could have the results that he did
0: yeah yeah i mean that's one other interesting thing is yeah this was in some sense an ideal situation in that it was a small group of people who trusted each other a lot and who were sort of relatively isolated so you're right there wasn't like the same kind of sort of international forces trying to enforce the old-fashioned order or the rights of kings or anything from outside um this really was you know a case where people were sort of Able to do this experiment in relatively pristine conditions
1: And it should have worked because, as you said, it's a group of people that have similar thinking, similar inclines, similar religions came from similar backgrounds, uh, and they had a uh, uh, they have a unique interest in making it work together. And it still didn't work. So this is incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is interesting how you can see that, you know, he talks about how the woman, you know, didn't voluntarily work in the fields and used, you know, problems with their children as an excuse to sort of say, oh, well, I can't work today. Someone else will work in the fields. But. Of course, then once they moved to the the more capitalist orientation where everybody worked for the good of their own family, suddenly the woman would be bringing their children out and the whole family would be working together to, you know, sow the seeds and stuff. It's something fundamental that even when people have sort of good intentions, you know, you put them in a situation where they can expect everyone else to do the work and they're not individually accountable, you know, it is just a natural human inclination that you're going to sort of look for excuses to, to not do as much work.
1: Wow. And 200 and something or maybe 300 years later, <laughs> we're still trying to make it work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, you know, later on, of course, we might also do some episodes on some of the, the other movements in America towards, you know, local communist societies. There were a lot of sort of idealistic commune type farms set up in, you know, 1800s and 1900s, and, you know, it, it never was very successful. You know, it ultimately, it w- they would always come down to the kinds of problems that William Bradford had written about all those years ago.
1: Incredible. So we, this story tells us that really, even when tried in ideal conditions, the communism doesn't really work for the betterment and prosperity of of people. But do we have a different system that works better than capitalism? Since capitalism has a lot of faults, too, and it gets disparaged all the time in the media and academia. Is there another system that we (laughs) should be trying?
0: Yeah, if there is, show it to me. Uh, I haven't seen it. Incredible. It wasn't like I did brilliant detective work here at all. It was just, um, you know, Project Gutenberg, where I got this this journal. That's you know, sort of this um, very nice uh, public uh, interest site that essentially, you know, takes all old books that are out of copyright and digitizes them for common access. So. Pretty much anyone can just go there and browse and, you know, there's so many historical books and documents from basically anything that's more than 100 or so years old, you know, so that it's out of copyright, they can put up there for free. Yeah, so I had just, you know, read a secondhand account of this story and just for the fun of it, I did a search and saw that uh, Bradford's journal was up there. and uh, Yeah, and I mean, it's a really, yeah. really good memoir to read firsthand. What
1: I like about it is that we have first-hand accounts here, and they're on writing, and it's incredible writing, like you said, even though it's old writing and archaic, but you can, even a layman like me can make out all the words, and you can follow the script, and surprisingly some of their thinking is not too far away from our thinking hundreds of years later
0: yeah yeah i mean i think we should all make an effort to to make sure we continue telling this story and you know encourage our kids in schools and stuff to take a look at this not just read the tenth-hand account in the boring textbooks they put on their desk and (laughs) i think they learn a lot more that way
1: well, I am very, very impressed by this story, and it's one of the uh, the uh, stories that moves me more because I'm so familiar with it, and so many Americans are, because we all hear the story of the pilgrims and their suffering as uh, one of the first colonies moving into America from Europe. And, you know, here it is in their own words, Showing us a little bit of what they're going through and the kind of trials they had to make things work yes well i I hope that uh, more people go out and and look for for this uh books and notes that you've been finding because it it really comes down to one thing uh that I have learned in my business is that you have to be willing to make mistakes in order to grow but the key is not to repeat the same mistakes over and over <laughs> it's it would be good if you make new mistakes so you can learn new things but it seems to me like in in most cases nowadays we're just repeating the same mistakes over and over again and It could be or at least I hope it's because um, those people that keep pushing to try the same thing that didn't work before is that they they're not aware of these things or you think they're not aware or you think they they just uh, stubbornly
0: want it to work yeah well i think it's a combination i mean of course our education systems and a terribly poor job of communicating this kind of information but then also you know like like even bradford mentioned there is this emotional appeal to this sort of communal ideal that people want and they're using that to sort of let themselves will themselves into blindness on this topic but uh hopefully uh soon everybody will be listening to this podcast and that'll be cured
1: We need more stories like this so that we can keep making progress as humans and make our lives better and not go back to repeating the same mistakes that we have made over and over again.
0: Before we go, we'd also like to thank listeners BLK Conserve and Aogi Golf, who left us nice reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider clicking the link at storiesofcommunism.com and doing the same. You can also find links to Bradford's journal and other references in our show notes there. And this has been your story of communism for today.